It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, May 8th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Rodriguez versus Watterson, which will take place in the matter of a couple of hours. Uh, great to be back with you guys. Uh, a lot to talk about here on today's show. Um, but not really, though. Not Honestly, not really. It's fun to say that. It's fun to say there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but uh, honestly, not really. Not really. Um, <laughs> I always try to try to stay positive on some of these UFC cards. This one looks like it's going to suck. It, I, I, you know, I hate to break it to you guys, okay? If you watch the UFC, you know who's good, you know who's bad. You know what I mean? You, you might be a casual, you might not be. Looking up and down this card, this card's going to fucking suck. I'm just going to be honest, guys. There are some fights to, to look for. You know, it's still a UFC event, so I'm still excited for it. And I've been wrong before on bad cards. Uh, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, not looking super great. It is only a nine-fight fight card. We did have some fights uh, fall off here. There's just plenty of canceled and fizzled bouts um, I'll try to find the ones. Well, I'll go. I'll go through all of them very, very quickly. But I think uh, the one that fell out today, which is why I'm glad, uh, because I needed to justify it. Why I'm glad I didn't do this preview earlier is uh, we had uh, Amanda Hebas and Angela Hill fall out because uh, uh, reportedly uh, Hebas tested positive for COVID. So that I mean I I fucking absolutely hate watching Angela Hill fight. I think that's no surprise. I've said that a million times. Um, but I do like Amanda Hebos, and I think that would have been an interesting fight from her end, not from Angela Hill's end at all. Um, Ryan Benoit, I, I heard he missed weight and had to get, like, transported to the hospital. I heard that was scary. I didn't I didn't click on it, but, uh, you know, that's, that's interesting. Um, obviously, we were supposed to have Diego Sanchez and uh, Cowboy Cerrone. I'm actually kind of glad that fight fell off. I like the current matchup for Cowboy Cerrone a lot better, actually, and we'll get to that, obviously, uh, when the when the preview actually begins. But then just uh, Jimmy Flick and Francisco Figueredo. Flick retired. Uh, I thought he had a good first performance. I, I was, you know, intrigued to watch him fight again. We had Holly Holm, and, and, uh, and this obviously goes back now. I'm not talking about ones that happened, you know, over the last couple of days. Holly Holm was supposed to fight Juliana Pena. I could do without seeing Holly Holm ever fight again, so I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, ben Rothwell was supposed to be on this card. Uh, obviously, this obviously this was supposed to be a really, really fun uh, fight night because it was supposed to be Corey Sandhagen and TJ Dillashaw. And, I mean, fuck me, like, uh, you got to give respect to Piotr Jan. You have to give some respect to Aljamain Sterling. F- fucking, you know, uh, Cody Garbrandt is on the up and up. But, I mean, Corey Sandhagen and TJ Dillashaw, those might be the two best bantamweights in the division. I'm not going to say that definitively, but obviously TJ never fucking lost the belt, and Corey Sandhagen is just absolutely flatlining dudes. So, I mean, that would have been... That's a pay-per-view co-main event right there. Like, that is fucking stellar. Um, 
so yeah, a lot of fights uh, falling off, and we're just kind of left with, uh, you know, every everything else. But um, you know, I'm okay with Angela Hill not being on the card. I'm okay with Holly Holm not on the card. Honestly, if they were on the card, uh, this I probably would not tune into this fight to be honest with you because we also have. Um, Who's still on the card? Oh, uh, Michelle Watterson. I never want to see Michelle Watterson ever fight again. I'll save my rant on her for later. But there's plenty of fighters that I just am not interested in seeing. Um, so, yeah, if, if all three of those fighters were on this card, I mean, that's just uncanny, man. That's just uncanny. Um, we got the main card showdown today. I have none of the matchups. I have asked nobody for their picks yet, so uh, I got to figure that out. Obviously, the mailman's a champ. I don't know who is going to, um, who's going to challenge. Honestly, there's really nobody. I've cleaned out the division multiple times over. It would have been Drew, but he went to a draw with, um, fuck, I forgot who he went to a draw with. Maybe Captain? So, I don't know. I mean, some, we're, we're just going to, you know, maybe we'll give a title shot to, um, someone making their debut. I have, uh, I have a person, uh, or rather an animal in mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> at this point, like, I don't know, maybe it's time for a money fight. Maybe I should bring in, uh, this big time guest, um, you know, that I've been waiting to bring in. Nobody's really earned the title shots. You know what? Fuck it. We're bringing in, we're bringing in the big guns, uh, tonight. And, um, obviously actually, you know what? Nah, you know what? I'll save it for Twitter. I'll say, you got to follow me on Twitter. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spill the tea as, as the kids would say. Uh, on uh, on who my opponent is, but it will be fun. Um, I think that's all I have to get to for um, housekeeping. So we'll get right into uh, this one. We'll start here uh, with the prelim opener, and it's going to be in the welterweight division between Christian Aguilera, uh, not Christina Aguilera, Christian Aguilera, and Carlston Harris. Aguilera will be, excuse me, Harris will be the minus 170 favorite. Um, I'm not, I'm not mad at this one. Uh, Aguilera, um, not the prettiest record in the world. Uh, he lost his last fight to Sean Brady. That's a tough one to run into. Uh, I really, I really think Sean Brady's going to be making waves here, uh, really, really quickly. I think we have him ranked at 13. No, that might be a little too high. I think we have him ranked at like 14 or 15 in our welterweight uh, rankings, which you can find at northstarsports.media. So, you know, no shame in that one, but he did have a 60-second uh, knockout of Anthony Ivey in his uh, debut. Uh, you know, real real veteran of the sport. And then Carlson Harris, I believe this guy uh, was the welterweight champ over in uh, Brave, which has put... Uh, I mean, Brave was only started in like 2017 or something, and they, they've had a handful of fighters come to the UFC. So, I, you know, obviously when we think of feeder organizations uh, for the UFC, I mean, you know, people might get mad at that, but, you know, Bellator is a feeder organization for the UFC, fucking Ryzen, uh, 1FC, like, you know, that's fine and dandy to, to do stuff and be champs over in those organizations, but they are B-level organizations, and they are... Uh, at the end of the day, feeder organizations for the UFC. Maybe not in the sense of, like, prospects, but, like, top-end guys. If you want to fight top-end guys, you will leave those organizations for the UFC. We've seen it time and time again. It does not happen the other way around. Fighters get jettisoned to those organizations from the UFC. And I think it's it's kind of time to start talking about Brave um, 
as one of those organizations, obviously I'd still put them behind fucking, you know, Bellator and one and, and, you know, even probably even like KSW and cage warriors and stuff like that. But they, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit impressed with what they're doing. I, I don't have the, the deepest, um, knowledge of, uh, of brave and their inner workings, but you know, seems to, seems to be working for them. Uh, Harris is going to have a three inch reach advantage of four or excuse me, a three inch height advantage of four inch reach advantage. And, uh, he is making his, uh, UFC debut. He's on a three fight winning streak. Um, I don't know, man. I'm going to go with Aguilera and not for any fucking amazing reason. It's just, I've never seen Harris. It's hard for me. You know, I've never heard anybody talk about Carlston Harris. Uh, He is 33, but I've never heard of anybody talk about him as like, oh, wait till this guy gets to the UFC. I just don't have any information on him. Uh, but I have seen Aguilera fight and I guess I'll just go with what I know and I know what I've seen from Aguilera. So, you know, a guy making his UFC debut, that's fucking tough. You know what I mean? For anybody against any opponent, if you make your UFC debut, that's just, you know, that's difficult. So I will go Aguilera and I suppose, ah, we'll go by decision. I don't feel confident enough to pick him to win by uh, finish, even though, uh, Actually, fuck it. He's never been to a fucking... Oh, he's been to one decision. Okay. Aguilera by round three TKO. Not that it matters, because this is not the main card showdown. All right. Moving on here. Uh, On the prelims, we are in the middleweight division. And we'll have a fight here between Tafan Nchukwi and Junyong Park. Uh, Looking at... I guess I don't have the odds. Well, that's fine. We don't need the odds. Those are just what some stiffs come up with over... uh, Actually, I don't really know where they come up with those odds, but uh, odds are irrelevant. Cameroon versus uh, South Korea here. Uh, Tefan and Chukwi came uh, to the UFC from the Contender Series. Uh, Obviously, as you can tell by his 5-0 record, you know, not the most experienced guy in the fucking history of MMA. Uh, was on the Contender Series uh, as a 3-0 fighter. He does have a nice win over William Knight uh, back when he was 2-0. But really, the Contender Series fight with him, I was more impressed by Al Madavau, who was his opponent, because I believe believe that fight took place at uh, 205, and I think Madavau weighed like 190 or something. Way smaller guy, and showed just great toughness obviously he got finished and that's why Inshuki got um signed but you know you beat a guy who you were way heavier than uh nice win over Jamie Pickett another contender series guy and uh now he's here taking on Jun Young Park uh, obviously a very very powerful guy um but kind of a, a a guy who I don't know. Some of the fundamentals are not there. He's he's pretty he's pretty rigid. He's pretty stiff from what I've seen, and um, you know, just just a guy who is understandably very green. Now, I say understandably, but you are in the UFC and you will have to take on UFC level competition. I think Park, uh, uh, you know, fits that qualification. So th- this is a fucking this is a tough one, man. John Young Park. I mean, he's got 16, he's got, you know, three times the experience you have, and, uh, you know, he's had a couple of nice uh, performances uh, in his last two fights, uh, wins over Marc-Andre Barrio and John Phillips, Um, 
I think he grapple fucked those two fighters. Certainly he did with John Phillips. Actually, I know. Yeah, that, that was where he. I think he set records against John Phillips. Now John Phillips is notoriously bad, notoriously fucking bad uh, at grappling. But honestly, I don't think Inchukwi's a wrestler. He's just a really, really powerful guy. Uh, I question the cardio a little bit, especially at uh, 185. So I'm gonna go with Jun Young Park. I don't know what the odds are. I would, I would probably venture to guess that it's, it's a pick'em. In fact, I'll just fucking, I'll pull up the odds right now because I'm, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little curious to see uh, what they are. But you know, I think, uh, and, and Park is not known as a wrestler, but he's, he's been. Uh, He's, he's certainly wrestled a lot in his last couple of fights, and, you know, I don't know if he can do that against the higher-level guys um, in, in um, you know, the company, but certainly against a guy this green, I mean, man, that's, you know, you got the one-punch knockout power, uh, that's cool. You certainly could win, uh, you know, by uh, by doing that, but uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go park to win this one, probably by, uh, probably by decision, probably by decision. Um a lot harder to find fucking odds than uh, I had I had thought. Um, actually, Inchukui is going to be the minus one forty-five favorite. So uh, I would, if I was legally allowed to bet money on this, which I can't uh, because I'm in the uh, great state of Minnesota. Who uh, you know, they're a little behind. We're always the fortieth state to to legalize stuff. So once thirty-nine states pass legalized sports gambling, then then we'll get it uh, legal here. Um, but I actually like Park in this one, so I think the odds are, are, are pretty good if you wanted to bet on this. All right, moving on here to the prelim headliner. It's going to be in the featherweight division between Mike Trezano and Ludovic Klein. Uh, the odds are going to have Klein as the minus 250 favorite. Um, I think that's fair. Uh, Trezano, he was on the Ultimate Fighter undefeated, and oh, he actually won it. He won it uh, via split decision against Joe Giannetti. Uh, comes to the UFC, beats Luis Pena by split decision, and then uh, gets choked up by Grant Dawson. Tough to run into Dawson, great wrestler. Going to be one hell of a fucking problem at 155. Uh, if you had to bet future stock on somebody, it might be Grant Dawson at 155. Right behind um, my favorite, uh, Armand Sarukian. But um, Ludovic Klein, it's fucking hard not to not to go with him. Uh, his his last uh, fight, which was his debut fight in the UFC, uh, knocked out Shane Young in uh, 76 seconds and uh, knocked him out pretty fucking bad. So it's you know didn't get to see a whole lot of him, but he's on a four fight uh, TKO uh, streak. And he's very fucking quick, very quick. Um, despite being four inches shorter, he's actually going to have an inch and a half reach advantage. Just long arms, very, very quick, very twitchy. Uh, I like Klein uh, to win this one. I just think, I just think that his his striking is is going to be a major fucking problem uh, for for anybody uh, that he faces. All right, moving on here to the main card opener. At least I, I hope it is. With all these changes, I suppose I don't uh, actually know if, uh, you know, it is the correct order. But whatever. Point is, we're getting all the fights. Uh, we have uh, in the middleweight division a matchup here between Phil 
Hawes and Kyle Dawkins. Hawes is 10 and 2. Dawkins is 10 and 1. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds. Dawkins is going to be the minus 130 favorite, uh, according to Odds Shark. Uh, yeah, this is a really, really interesting fight here. Uh, Phil Hayes. Hawes or Hayes? I'm going to go with Hayes. Hawes. Phil Hawes. Um, fuck, that's confusing. I know I've heard it both ways, but there's definitely a, a correct way to say it. Um, he's 32. He was one of the most highly touted prospects um, outside of the UFC for a long time. His route to the UFC was uh, uh, tumultuous, to say the best, or, or, or to, to say the least. Um, fought in the World Series of Fighting uh, right before it became the PFL, and uh, off of a loss, um, actually before that he was he was on the Ultimate Fighter season twenty three, so loses to Sanchez, goes to the World Series of Fighting, goes one and one, gets a chance on the Contender Series, and gets the first series or the first year of the Contender Series, and gets brutally fucking knocked out by uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Julian Marquez, fucking brutal head kick, probably the the pro- probably the best knockout of season one. And, uh, you know, goes to Bellator, goes to Brave, comes back to the Contender Series and beats Kadzimur uh, at Bastaev, who was like six foot six uh, at middleweight. And then he finally makes his UFC debut uh, back at UFC 254 against Jacob Malkoon. Just fucking kills him in 18 seconds. Just brutal. And then back in February... He has a uh, majority decision victory against Nasruddin Imovov, and that was a back and forth. It's crazy to say it was back and forth because it was just total fucking domination, I believe, by Phil Hawes to begin the fight. And then at the halfway point, total domination from Imovov. And then the third round, just kind of back and forth, but still probably probably got to give it to Imovov. I was a little surprised Phil Hayes won that fight. Could have gone either way, but he got hit a lot, so he is there to be hit. He's got a fucking steam piston of uh, of a right hand. Uh, very, very powerful. He's got a good chin, I guess we found out, but he gets hit and hurt very often the way he fights. Now, he's not really going up against a striker here in Kyle Dawkins, but he, he is going up against uh, probably one of the better ground guys uh, in the middleweight division, at least outside of the top uh, 15. He wins 80% of his his uh, uh, fights via submission. So, mm, I don't I don't know, man. This this one is uh, this one's fucking really tough to pick. Um, I'm gonna go with Kyle Dawkins though. I I don't know. I mean. I think if Hayes wins, it's by knockout. I think if Dawkins wins, it's by submission. And if it goes to a decision, then I don't fucking know. I, I you know, I don't know. I guess we'll find out how good uh, Kyle Dawkins' striking is. But his grappling is really fucking good. I think he just needs to take him down one time, uh, and uh, he he might finish it there. He, he he really might. I don't know a whole lot about the takedown defense of uh, Phil Hayes. I don't believe anybody's tried to shoot on him. Or at least there's no stats on his uh, takedown defense on the UFC website. So, you know, I I don't know. But that's going to be tested. I mean, there's two question marks. Phil Hayes' wrestling. Although he was a college wrestler. So actually, you know, that kind of changes things a little bit. And then Kyle Dawkins is striking. But I'm still going to go with Kyle Dawkins. 
I think uh, he probably should be undefeated at this point. He lost uh, to Brendan Allen in his UFC debut. That was a fucking tough one. Got his ass beat. Fought a guy who was way better than him at the time. I'd love to see that in the future if Dawkins can continue to climb the middleweight division. I'm intrigued by that rematch, but... You know, I, I just think Kyle Dawkins' ground game is is potentially going to be too much for Phil Hayes, so I'll pick him to win by uh, unanimous decision. All right, moving on here on the main card. We're in the lightweight division between Carlos Diego Fajeda and Gregor Gillespie. Uh, Fajeda is 17-3. and three. Gillespie is 13-1. and one. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here, and they are going to have Gillespie as the minus 165 favorite. Uh, we'll also look at the North Star Sports UFC rankings. Uh, Gillespie is ranked at 15. Uh, Diego Fajeda is at 14, so very appropriate matchmaking here. Um, interesting fight. Honestly, I would rather see this I would rather see Fajeda and Gillespie headline this fight night than Rodriguez and Watterson. Actually, I'd rather see nothing, or anything, headline over what it currently is. I'd rather see Cerrone and Morono, Magni and Neal. I'm fucking really surprised Magni and Neal is not headlining this card. Uh, but whatever, the UFC is going to lose a shit ton of money, but, you know, whatever. Um, this this is going to be a good fight. I've been impressed by uh, Diego Fajeda in his last couple of fights. I know he lost his last one via split decision to Benil Dariush. Really should have been unanimous decision. I don't think it was that close. He definitely had his moments, and he, and he definitely you know never gave up in the fight. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, he got beat fair and square by Dariush. But, you know, we saw it in the Pettis fight, specifically uh, the Tysimov fight. Um you know, this is a guy who's obviously known for his prowess on the ground. He's a very, very good uh, BJJ practitioner, but his striking has really improved uh, in his last handful of fights. So I think that he's, uh, uh, you know, really an extraordinarily well-rounded fighter. I still wouldn't say his striking is, you know, top of the division, but, you know, it's certainly come a long way. Uh, you know, he is 36, so it's, you know, time to, you know, shit or get off the pot here. Um, so... I don't know. I think this one is 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 going to be a masterclass on the ground. I mean, obviously, uh, Gregor Gillespie, uh, you know, uh, elite college wrestler. Um, this is his first fight back since uh, November of 2019, back at UFC 244, where he lost, uh, you know, from that brutal Kevin Lee head kick. Um, so a lot of people have forgotten about Gregor Gillespie. We haven't seen him win since uh, January of 2019 and you know this was a guy who was just choking motherfuckers out man uh you know choked out yancy Maderos, choked out uh vince bichelle um actually where did he choke out uh okay never mind um but yeah you know really really good on the ground but yeah i mean you don't really want to mess around with uh, diego fajeda so you know it's going to be really interesting to see and obviously they've fucking improved their games since the beginning of their discipline but you know hey who's going to win a collegiate wrestler or a bjj guy you know D- fajeda we saw that in his fight uh in his last fight he's very slippery on the gr- on the ground like he he like his back is just buttered or something like he's very slippery so Really, this is probably the toughest fight to pick uh, all night, but man, fuck, that's tough to pick. Uh, 
I guess I'm gonna go Gregor Gillespie. I don't feel good about it. Not that I'd feel good if I went the other way, but uh, honestly, this is a pick in my mind, but I'm gonna go with Gregor Gillespie. I don't know why, man. I guess just, you know, people must have forgot. People must have forgot, but, uh, you know, he's got a shorter average fight time. Um, pretty good Pretty good defense. His differential is pretty high, but so his strike differential is pretty high, but so is, uh, uh, so is the strike differential for uh, Fajeda, but man yeah I'm gonna have to go with Gregor Gillespie and uh probably by decision because I, I would imagine it's pretty hard to choke out Fajeda I don't believe he's been choked out uh in his time with the UFC so uh yeah we'll go Gregor Gillespie by unanimous decision all right moving on here in the heavyweight division we have a fight between Maurice Green and Marcos Hagerio de Lima Green is nine and five Hajario de Lima, 17, 7, and 1. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds. They will have uh, Hajario de Lima as the minus 200 favorite. Uh, I find that a, a little bit interesting. I, I do think this is very evenly uh, matched here between these uh, two heavyweights. Uh, obviously, Green is going to be uh, much taller, much taller, 6 foot 7. Really, he's never going to be shorter than um, anybody he faces. But uh, Hajario de Lima, six foot one. Green's going to have a seven-inch reach advantage. Uh, I never realized until I watched the the uh, season of The Ultimate Fighter how fucking batshit crazy Maurice Green is. Uh, I did get to see him live and in person at uh, the UFC Minneapolis card. Crowd liked when when he, it was announced that he fought out of uh, Saint Saint Cloud, Minnesota. So, you know, gotta gotta root for uh, the Minnesota people. But uh, yeah, for uh, for a guy who was a glory kickboxer, uh, he, he sure gets finished a lot uh, in the UFC. He's lost three of his last four fights, uh, all by actually uh, two of them by knockout and one of them by submission had that crazy back and forth fight with Alexio Lenick where he got hurt a lot had a crazy back and forth uh fight with John Vellante where he almost got finished multiple times but powered through it and got the win and then he got knocked out by Greg Hardy on the uh Halloween card uh that was headlined by Hall and uh Anderson Silva so pretty fucking hard to go with Maurice Green here not that uh Hajario de Lima has really been doing any better. He's kind of been flip-flopping wins and losses. Actually, he's been exactly flip-flopping wins and losses uh, since 2014. So, I mean, looking at the guys he's beat, uh, it's not it's not very good, man. It's like Ben Sassoli and Adam Bichorek and Jeremy Kimball, Clint Hester. He does finish fights when he wins. Um, you know, he got finished very badly by Alexander Romanov in his last fight uh, where he just kind of got Donkey Kong pounded by Romanov um, but I don't feel good about picking Maurice Green so I'm going to go Hajario de Lima just because he's been flip-flopping wins and losses he's due for a win so I don't think he finishes Maurice actually fuck that's, t- that's tough to say because again he's been finished a lot but he's just tough um I say he finishes him. I don't fucking know how or whatever. I'll figure that out for the main card showdown. But Hajario de Lima wins via some form of finish in this one. All right, moving on here to the featured bout, which really should be the headliner here. 
Uh, it's in the welterweight division. It's going to be between Neil Magny and Jeff Neal, the Battle of the Neals. Uh, Magny is going to be 24-8. and eight. Jeff is going to be 13-3. and three. Take a look here at the odds, if I could find them. Uh, and Jeff Neal is going to be the minus 200 favorite. Um, I don't know. It's kind of weird. These guys feel like like they're the, the, the same guy. Like, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because their names are, are similar. But just like, uh, they're, in, they're in the top 15. They're kind of nondescript fighters. They're both pretty well-rounded. They both don't get any promotional push. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's appropriate that they are uh, fighting. Uh, we'll take a look at where we have them ranked. We'll have Neil Magny at 11, Jeff Neal at 13. Um, boy, trying to pick this one. There's a lot of tough fights to pick uh, on this one. It's really, it's really hard to pick someone to get past Neil Magny because, uh, like, you look at his losses... Damian Maya, Lorenz Larkin, Rafael Dos Anjos, Santiago Ponzinibbio, uh, uh, Michael Chiesa. I mean, you really do have to be a certain, at a certain level to beat him. And, you know, Jeff Neal coming off of that loss to Wonderboy Thompson. Now, Wonderboy is his own fucking puzzle. Um, you know, he's, he's hard to figure out. Uh, but it's like, I don't know, man. It's kind of, Jeff Neal kind of got punched around in that fight. It's really hard to, to pick him you know, five months later after, you know, just getting totally, totally dominated in that fight. Um, you know, we have seen Magny get knocked out. Jeff Neal does have hands of steel. Fuck, this one, this one's tough. It's, it's tough to get inside on Magny when, you know, when he's 6'3 and has an 80 inch reach. Um, boy, I don't know. The longer this one goes, the, the, the more I like Neil Magny just kind of grinding it out. And he does have pretty good defense as well. Jeff Neal lands an ungodly amount of strikes. Um, I'm sure he's hungry to get the win. He does have a win over Bilal Muhammad. And some finishes over Mike Perry and Nico Price. God, this is a tough one, man. I'm going to go Neil Magny to win by unanimous decision. Honestly, I know it's a cop-out answer, but I could see either fighter winning. But I just like the defense of Magny. He's so well-rounded. You know, I, I, I'm not too sure about the takedown defense of Jeff Neal. We've never really seen somebody try to do that to him in the UFC. And, you know, I, I just like the experience and the well-roundedness of, of Neil, Bag, Neil Bagney. You know, I, I don't think he's, you know, super susceptible to uh, to getting hit. Uh, the more I look up the stats, Jeff Neal has a uh, 92% takedown defense. So, okay, well... You know, maybe Magny doesn't take him down, but you know, maybe the fight goes to the clinch or something. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick Neil Magny to win this one by unanimous decision. All right, moving on here to the co-main event. It's going to be uh, once again in the welterweight division between Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Alex Morono. Cerrone is 36 and 15. Morono is 18 and 7. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here, and Cerrone is going to be the minus 200 favorite. That's fucking interesting. Uh, <laughs> neither of these fighters are ranked, uh, although Cowboy is ranked in, in the UFC's rankings, which is just fucking beyond stupid. Um, yeah, it's really tough for me to pick Cowboy Cerrone. 
Uh, he's 38. He is very, very washed. Uh, he has the hardest working liver in the UFC, very susceptible to getting hit to the body. Uh, he had that really weird no contest with Nico Price, four fight losing streak before that. His last win came uh, in, in the main event of uh, UFC Ottawa back in May of 2019. Uh, this He's washed, man. He's washed. I heard people saying he was a UFC Hall of Famer. He probably is. Actually, I'd guarantee he's a UFC Hall of Famer. Uh, why? Because he had a lot of fights? Okay. I mean, what did he what, what did he do? I mean, I don't know. It might be a hot sports take. I might get fucking pulled over. But um, I don't know, man. He's fucking really washed, man. And Alex Morono in his last couple of fights, ah, he's looked pretty fucking good, man. He's 30. You know, he doesn't have the wear and tear that a Cerrone has. You know, Cerrone takes no time off in between fights. So, you know what I mean? Like, he either can get really hot or really cold. Um, you know, I guess he did get knocked out in 27 seconds uh, fucking 13 months ago by Chaos Williams. But uh, I thought he beat Anthony Pettis uh, when they fought in December. I don't know, man. Morono, Morono fucking hurts people. He hurt Reese McKee real bad. Stiff, powerful jab. Um... I'm going to go with Alex Morono. I just think Morono is the better fighter right now. I think Cerrone's not that good uh, at this point in his career. Uh, I don't know why he's at 170. He's a much better fighter at uh, 155. And, um, yeah, I just I, th- I think uh, Morono is, is just the 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 hotter fighter right, right now, even though he's lost two of his last three. But, you know, Cerrone hasn't won in his last five fights. So, I don't know, man. Kind of a gross fight. I prefer this over Cerrone and uh, and Diego Sanchez I'd probably pick Cerrone in that one but I just man how can you pick a guy like Cerrone when when you look at his last performances I mean just I, I don't know man this dude's gonna be fighting until he's 45 fucking I don't know man I don't know I feel like I could say that for a lot of fights on this card just real tough to to pick him either way um Moving on, we have now reached the uh, main event of the evening. It's in the flyweight division, and it's going to feature two ranked strawweight fighters in Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Watterson. Rodriguez is 13-1-2. Watterson is 18-8. and eight. Take a look at the odds. Rodriguez is the minus 225 favorite. We'll look at the North Star Sports UFC rankings. And we will see that Watterson is at eight and Rodriguez is at six. Um, just a fucking really gross fight. I don't know, man. I hate that it's a main event too because I know that this fight's gonna go the full 25 minutes. I, f- I guarantee this fight's gonna go 25 minutes of just boring. Michelle Watterson is such a boring fighter. Uh, I, I understand why people simp over her because she's good-looking and all that, and I'm sure she has a fun personality. I don't like it when she's on the UFC panel because I feel like they have much better, uh, you know, options. You know what I mean? Like, any anytime I see, like, Dean Thomas or uh, Michelle Watterson or uh, Alan Joban on one of those panel shows, I just turn it off. Yeah, I just turn it off. You know, if it's Bisping or Kiesa or, or somebody like that, yeah, I'll, I'll tune in. Anybody else? No, nah, not really. Not interested. 
Um, not interested at all in this main event. I, I think it's going to be a snooze fest. I really don't care who wins. Again, why not Cerrone versus Morono? Why not Magni versus Neil? Why not Fajardo versus Gillespie? You know what I mean? Those are all, according to the UFC, not according to us with Cerrone and Morono, but those are all ranked fighters. You don't just have to go with the highest ranked people on the card. Why it takes place at uh, flyweight, that makes no sense. Uh, Michelle Waterston is an atom weight, so she's pretty small for straw weight. So for her to go up to 125 makes no sense. That makes me like her even less. or It makes me like her uh, chances in this fight even less. Rodriguez probably is a true flyweight. She's five foot six. You know, I think I think that she's pretty good at uh, at straw weight. Um, you know, and I think she's the the much better striker. Um, if it goes to the ground, then it's a coin toss. You know, I don't uh, I don't really know what would happen if it went to the ground. Hopefully, it doesn't. But um, you know, God, you just see all those all those videos of like Michelle Waterson in her fights where she's just throwing jabs from fifteen feet away in the octagon, just one of the most boring fighters in, in UFC history. Um, oh, man. Yeah, this one's not going to be good. Obvi- I'm obviously going to go with Marina Rodriguez. I don't think she finishes Waterson just because the chances that a female finishes a, a, a fight in, in the UFC obviously are, are lower than, uh, you know, any of the male divisions, just percentage-wise. And, um, you know, it's not at bantamweight or featherweight either. Uh, on the female side, and it, it's it's two straw weights too, and I, I get it that they're fly, that they're fighting at flyweight, but you know realistically, how much do you think they're going to balloon up? You know they probably only cut, you know, 15 pounds, so they're probably only cutting five pounds for this fight. So you know it's it's maybe that will make for a better fight just because they probably only had to, you know, cut a, a, a very little amount of water to to make this one, but. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to go Rodriguez by uh, unanimous decision. And then, you know, if she wins, I don't really know what that does for her, to be honest. I don't know what a win over Michelle Waterson does for you. I mean, I guess she's a popular fighter, and, you know, that's going to propel you up the popularity charts, I guess. Uh, she is 34, so she's a little older than, than I thought. Um, had a nice knockout of uh, Amanda Hebos, and then you know for Waterson trying to be the first uh, ever uh, mother to become uh, a UFC champ. Uh, not gonna happen. Definitely not gonna happen. She's 35. That's pretty pretty up there for you know a female fighter trying to do stuff at the highest level. You know what I mean? Like uh, if you're you you know you're probably in your prime as a female. The curve is probably pushed up uh, much further. So you're probably in your prime for if you're a female fighter at a lower weight class. And obviously, if you're at a lower weight class, even for the guys, you know your prime is pushed forward. That's why you don't see 40 year old flyweights fighting in the UFC. You know you kind of hit a wall when you're 33, 34. You know she's 35. Uh, you know. I don't know, man. She she had a split decision win over Angela Hill in in her last fight, but you know losses to Carla Esparza, Joanna Janjacek. You know, I don't know. UFC UFC's probably gonna keep her around for a while, but uh, I, I really don't like her chances in this one. So again, yeah, uh, Marina Rodriguez uh, by unanimous decision. And again, 
lands 5.82. The more I look into this, the more I like Rodriguez. 5.82 significant strikes landed per minute, only absorbs 3.27. For Watterson, lands 3.6, absorbs 4.5. So just a negative striker, not a very good striker. That's obviously where Marina Rodriguez excels. Watterson likes to keep the distance, uh, so much so that she can't come within 10 feet of landing her strikes. Rodriguez will fight at distance, pick her apart, probably win by unanimous decision. So with that, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.